The Oklahoma Sooners landed one of the best recruiting classes in their history. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Go over there, hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, and hit that subscribe button as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This Super Bowl, make sure you go to FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norman. And Josh, National Signing Day for the Oklahoma Sooners was pretty uneventful for the most part. They had pretty much 99% of their class locked up during the early signing period. But they did land a signature from 2023 three-star over at 247 Sports Athlete. Taylor Heim out of Bethany, Oklahoma, just outside of the Oklahoma City area. Josh, um, the Oklahoma Sooners now up to number four in the 247 Sports Composite Rankings. Pretty good cycle for the Brent Venables and his crew. Oh, it's massive. It's been a huge cycle for Oklahoma, them being able to put this thing together. And, you know, I actually think that Taylor Heim's got a chance to be a sneaky good little signee late in this class. I'll be fascinated to see sort of where he ultimately slots in for Oklahoma. You look at what 24-7 sports, what their rating says out there, John. He's the 77th linebacker in this class, according to 24-7 sports. And I think sort of across the recruiting landscape, if you will, that uh, he's kind of consensusly, if that's a word I can use or make up right here, He's uh, regarded as a linebacker, it seems like, by a lot of the recruiting sphere. But, man, flipping on the tape and watching what I see from Taylor Heim, you know, obviously it's high school and you're translating to the college level. And what you did in high school, the fact that you played all over, John, doesn't necessarily – isn't necessarily going to be the case in college. But we're talking about somebody that played some safety, played linebacker, I think looks really fluid and can go out and run routes and catch the football. Uh, both, uh, you know, obviously what he did in high school and then at the, the college level too, John. So I'm really curious to see how he's ultimately going to be used at OU. Sounds like it's on the defensive side of the football, but after watching some of the tape, I don't think it's the worst idea to split him out wide. No, I'd love for them to get just get him to campus and see where he fits best. Yes, you can project him as a linebacker. He might They might have all the intention in the world to play him at linebacker. But you know what? As a true freshman – let him run some scout team wide receiver. Let him kind of be the, you know, the matchup problem that you might have to deal with on a Saturday when you're going up against a guy who's six three, six four, and you may not have anybody else. I mean, you've got wide receivers that are young guys that could probably simulate that for you a little bit, but here's another option for you. I, I, he's just an athlete. I mean, when he's classified as an athlete, that's just because he could play a lot of different positions for you. I mean, he took some snaps under center or from shotgun um, in some wildcat situations for Bethany. He's just a really, really good football player on the defensive side. Man, he just plays with speed. He plays fast. He's a physical tackler. He's going to get up in people's faces. He's going to get into the hole, mix it up. He's going to attack downhill. 
just a lot to really like. And the fact that, you know, he has wide receiver tight end experience at Bethany is going to allow him to play the ball a little bit more naturally in the air from the linebacker position when he's in coverage. So I think that just benefits you even more. Um, Oklahoma just loves to get these guys that are athletes like, you know, Heim, Cade McIntyre, Eric McCarty, and kind of project out, hey, you, we feel like you could be best at this. Or maybe they're even just saying, hey, we want you to play this. You know, Jacoby Johnson's another one of those guys that could he could play really well for you at wide receiver. He's going to play cornerback at Oklahoma. Um, we'll see how that all kind of works out with these guys that are dual, you know, uh, are two-way players and start at, you know, on both sides of the football. But ultimately, like another really good prospect for the Oklahoma Sooners, a three-star and a group of three stars that brings traits. And I think that's what you're looking for from this this group is guys that are really good athletes. There's something on their their tape, their film, their highlight tape, whatever that just stands out above everybody else. And his size and his athleticism and his speed for Taylor Heim are the things that stand out and really show up when you're watching him because everything else you might be able to develop. Now he's a, he's a lean guy. So you're going to need the nutrition staff, Jerry Schmidt to put some muscle on this dude, bulk him up a little bit. That way when he's playing 60, 70 snaps for you or 40, 50 snaps for you down the road, He's able to withstand the the pounding of that at the college level. Everybody gets bigger. He's going to have to too. But you like what the the framework. You like the canvas that you have to work with if you're Brent Venables and his coaching staff at the linebacker position because he's got size, he's got range, he's got athleticism. He's going to be able to run. And in a modern college football that is very pass heavy, very fast, it runs you need a lot of fast athletic linebackers. And he's just another one of a good group of athletic linebackers that Oklahoma is bringing to campus in 2023. So if I mix the transfer portal additions in John with the actual 2023 signing class itself, by my count, and this is very uh, juvenile here, this is just a unofficial account uh, or count by me, 22 blue chip guys combined, and uh, I think there were only, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five of those that came from the transfer portal. That would be four stars and above. If you hear blue chip and you're like, you know, first time listening to Lockdown Sooners, what does that mean? That's what blue chip means. Four or five star uh, transfer portal edition signee. So the fact that you're bringing in, again, that much blue chip talent, John, is uh, the first thing. And I know we've had this discussion before about the 2023 signing class, but that's the first thing that jumps out. Just the sheer overwhelming number of blue chip players. And then the, the, the fact that it's not only primarily offensive guys, uh, that's been a problem for Oklahoma in the, the past. Uh, the fact that they do have actually more defensive guys in terms of the blue chip side, I think is incredibly exciting for anybody that, well, watched Oklahoma struggle defensively this past season, John, and then uh, over the last you know decade or so where it's just been at times lean times for Oklahoma trying to play defense. So that would be a couple of things that, that really jump out about the signing class for me. I'm curious. I don't know that we've ever really delved into this portion of it. Do you have a strong leaning which way – uh, position group for Oklahoma that they did the best job in this class. Like it's hard for me to pick just one. And it's crazy to say it, it might be quarterback when it's all said and done just because of Jackson Arnold. 
but uh, I'm probably leaning almost linebacker or defensive back, and yet then I get pulled back into, well, what about the defensive line guys that they've added in? I don't know that I can narrow down one position group that I feel, okay, that's the best position group Oklahoma signed in this class. And maybe that's the greatest tribute to the class, John. So if you're going to peg me down and ask me to pick one, I'm going to pick defensive back because, and if you're going to include the safeties and the corners, because you added a five-star guy in Peyton Bowen, you had four-star guys in Jacoby Johnson, uh, Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. You added a really nice Juco transfer in Kendall Dolby. Um, guys like Eric McCarty who are projected to play probably safety day McCullough, another four-star guy that you added at safety. Like they did a lot. Reggie Pearson, another transfer addition. They did a lot in this cycle, in this class, this offseason, to really bolster their defensive backfield, and they needed to. They absolutely needed to. They were really light at defensive back. I mean, they were light at linebacker. We talk, we've talked about the guys that have, you know, they played more than 900 snaps between the three starters. But for how poor they were in coverage and for what, at times, they just looked lost out in coverage a lot of the times without Billy Bowman on the field, sometimes having to move Woody Washington from cornerback to safety for a game or two because Billy Bowman was gone. Like they just didn't have any really good answers. Well, now you've added a ton of guys that have a a lot of talent that this coaching staff brought in. They recruited them. They brought them in and you feel really good about that because you had to have turnover big time turnover at a position group. And that's one of them. I like the linebacker signings. I think they're great. They're going to be really good additions to this group too, but because of the depth and the breadth of defensive back additions that Oklahoma made, and I'm sure I might've left somebody off even to me, that is the the position group that they made the biggest impact in the, just on the recruiting side of it. But then you also throw in the transfer portal and it's easily to me, the biggest splash that they made this off season. Yeah, I think I'm with you too. I think that uh, I think it's got to be defensive back. If we're going, if I'm not saying like, hey, you got to go edge rusher, defensive tackle, corner safety, inside backer, outside backer. If if we're lumping things together and just going strictly, you know, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, or offensive line, wide receivers, etc. I I think it is just the overwhelming ads that they've had across the board in the defensive backfield are so impactful seems like in this signing class, but that's an interesting question. I mean, I think Oklahoma has done a really good job in a lot of different areas with this signing class. Yeah. So we'll have to talk about that at some point, maybe later this week, we'll, we'll just kind of rank the position groups and, and, figure, and see who came out on top. Uh, but next we're going to talk about some more interesting schedule stuff, some early exit stuff. Uh, Dennis Dodd wrote a great piece over at CBS sports. We'll dig into that and what it means for Oklahoma and Texas after the break the super bowl super bowl is here john fanduel.com backslash locked on where you can make every moment more the uh, super bowl lines they are set uh, if it hasn't changed it was philadelphia point and a half favorite over kansas city that over under was at 49 and a half i'm kind of where we sit today thinking there's a really good chance that thing could go over the 49 and a half but as uh, typifies these folks at uh, FanDuel, got a pretty good idea of right about that number where it should be, 49 and a half at, at an over-under is pretty close. That's that's interesting. I, I'm leaning over, though. New customers, hey, join today to get started. $150 in free bets. That's guaranteed when you just place your first $5 bet. So sign up, fanduel.com slash locked on. 
FanDuel. They've got all of your favorite bets, money line, point spreads. They've got a bunch of really interesting Super Bowl player props that we can probably have some fun with, John, before the big game gets here. Uh, so check it out. Football fans, you don't miss out. Can't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, FanDuel.com slash locked on. They've got their app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. The the Big 12 schedule coming out this week, John, and again, the, the holdup to it, and then Oklahoma and Texas's response to said schedule that we finally got, right? The fact that Oklahoma just retweeted the Big 12 conference and didn't put out its own graphic and for, you know, however long the, the schedule itself wasn't on Soonersports.com. It's got a lot of people buzzing about, well, what the heck? What is the rationale? Why has that happened? Well, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports hasn't necessarily answered all of those questions, John. But again, he's back to the well here of is some of this connected to the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are, again, working the back channels, trying to work the negotiation portion to get out of the conference? I mean, anything's possible. I mean, if they think that they might still be able to find a way to get out of the Big 12 this year, maybe that's why they're not like putting their OU media department on, hey, let's create some fun graphics to release the schedule. Uh, Maybe it's the way the schedule came out or how they found out about the schedule. Maybe it's some of the aspects of the schedule that they're not too thrilled about. Maybe it's just the back, you know, behind the scenes and negotiations that are going on um, that, you know, whether it's Fox, it's kind of holding things up. Yeah, I don't think the Big 12 is all that concerned with like, hey, we got to got to hold Oklahoma and Texas to the, the originally agreed upon agreement. I think they just want they just want to do what's best for the Big 12 and, and what's best for business. I don't think that they're trying to stick it to Oklahoma or Texas, but I do think that there is some element there that, hey, Joe C., Joseph Harris, like the administration, they're not thrilled with the way this all transpired. And, and you know, Chris Del Conte down at Texas, like, there's a definitely a concerted effort between the two schools to, I don't know, not show a whole lot of exuberance over this. And maybe that's just kind of a negotiation tactic, a a strategy on their part to be like, eh, okay, go big 12, have your fun, enjoy it. We're, we're kind of lame duck in this conference. We'll do the best we can to, to make y'all some money before we go. But we're we're not really where we want to be. We want to be in the sec. And I get that. I mean, if you're in a job, that you don't really care for, or you're in like the last two, three weeks of your job and you feel like you got something better coming down the road. Like you may not be as excited about being in your job because you're thinking about the next thing. You're, you're more focused on what's next. You have more energy in what's next. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thought because I mean, Dennis Dodd writes about how, you know, Oklahoma and Texas went to the big 12 with an offer on an early exit and it was just rejected sent out to half court by Dikembe Mutombo with a finger wag and no, sir. Now, I mean, it's all negotiations. There's no like firm deadline on this until, you know, they start playing games, I guess, in the fall of 2024. But you'd think that there wouldn't be this outright rejection of it. But again, just part of the, of the negotiation process. And I mean, maybe it wasn't an idea to get out, for this season, maybe that was part, maybe that was the offer was, Hey, we're going to try and be out by the 2023 season. And that got rejected. And that's what has Oklahoma and Texas in their fields. Yeah. I think that's the the interesting thing here, right. From Dennis Dodd is, I mean, he's, he's put his name to it, which 
you know, it's really, it's not shocking, right? I mean, it's just something that we've talked about and we, we expected that this was happening, but to see somebody put their name on it and, and put the report out there that, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, they made the offer. The offer has been on the table to uh, the Big 12 and to Fox to leave the league one year early, and it's been rejected. That's that's a fascinating thing for him to uh, to put that out there. Now, he uh, he wrote the nature of the offer was unclear. So we don't know, uh, you know, we, we don't know in respect to, $80 million would be the the exit fee, right? Uh, whereabouts for uh, – thereabouts for Oklahoma would be $80 million. So we don't know if Oklahoma came to the the Big 12 and said $50 million and, and and we're gone, right? Or what, whatever the number may be. But they made an offer and it was rejected. The The other interesting thing that he talked about here was the, the speculation again that the release of the Big 12 schedule, John, was in some way, shape, or form connected to the Texas-Oklahoma, Oklahoma-Texas exiting the Big 12 to the SEC issue. In other words, that nothing would happen with the Big 12 schedule until it was confirmed whether or not programs were staying their future with the league. And basically, Dennis Dodd said, no, it had nothing to do with that, why the Big 12 schedule was finally released. It had everything to do with just simply the deadline for both ESPN and Fox to say, hey, here's the schedule, because guess what? TV partners... It's contractually written in there. We need to know what the schedule looks like by X date. And uh, obviously we were right here. The The other thing he touches on, time's running out, as we knew, John, for the potential early exit. So if you believe that any of that matters, I've kind of shrugged my nose up a little bit at some of that just because I think, uh, you know, push comes to shove here. The, the contract can say what the contract says, but when all parties agree that it's best for OU and Texas to leave one year early and everybody feels like, okay, we're mostly getting made whole, I still think that even though the language of the contract might say the hourglass is running out, John, that uh, they could still get this thing done. But Dennis Dodds at least putting it out there that you know time is running out on a potential early exit for both Oklahoma and Texas, according to at least what the contract says. Yeah, and I think a lot of this is just going to come down to Fox Sports and what Fox is willing to deal with or not deal with. Like maybe they're just going to hold Oklahoma and Texas feet to the fire and say, no, you're playing out the media rights agreement that you signed. And we're going to get the benefit of your presence in the Big 12 for as long as we have it. And no, we're not going to let ESPN, our competitor, have it early. And which is well within their contractually agreed upon right. Like they have the right to hold Oklahoma to that fire. Now, does the Big 12 want that hanging over the conference's head for the next year and a half? Probably not. Uh, does Fox care if that's hanging over the Big 12's head for the next year and a half? No, they're not going to care. Again, Fox is in the business of making money. The most money they can make as a network is having Oklahoma and Texas as a part of it, a, a part of the Big 12. So I don't think that they're going to be at all vested in helping Oklahoma and Texas walk out the door. Uh, I hate that, but they're not beholden to the big 12. They're beholden to their shareholders, which care about their advertising revenue and they can sell more ads when Oklahoma and Texas are on TV than they can without it. Uh, but it will make for a very awkward uh, big 12. If uh, we get two more football seasons and kind of two more calendar years out of this, uh, before Oklahoma and Texas do go to the SEC 
if it is in the you know 25 season um, that that actually happens, which is, you know, what is kind of been the projected date, uh, despite all of the kind of rumblings and rumors and innuendo that they might leave early. So yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It's going to be a weird, uh, until this is finalized, whether it's this year or not until after the media rights agreement for the big 12 expires in 2025, it's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be a little bit awkward, especially if Oklahoma and Texas are on the rise and, you know, competing for the big 12 title. Um, But who knows what's going to happen on that front? Because as we saw this past year, neither Oklahoma or Texas competed for the big 12 title and the big 12 did just fine without them. So that'll be interesting to see any, any other thoughts on this, Josh, before we turn our attention to basketball. Do you think that we're going to get movement quickly on this? Because I feel like, I, I don't know. You know, Dennis Dodd didn't really write that per se, but just him. He, here's what he wrote verbatim, by the way. Meanwhile, time is running out for a potential early exit. As CBS Sports reported, Texas and Oklahoma want to leave early, but the complications are numerous, end quote. So that that alone tells me that maybe Dennis Dodd is hearing from sources that aren't going to attach their name to it that, we're really starting to apply some pressure. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, negotiations can only work if both parties and really in this sense, all three parties are vested in the negotiation. If one of the three have zero interest in seeing anything move forward, it won't move forward. And we know that Oklahoma and Texas want to make this happen. We feel like Brett Yormark, the businessman and the big 12 want to make this happen in a way that is good for the big 12 really is going to come down to Fox and how Fox is quote unquote made whole. That's the phrase that everybody, all big mate, big media members, Dennis Dodd, anybody that you talk to or anybody that you read about that's writing about this made whole is kind of the key phrase there. So what is it going to take to make Fox whole with Oklahoma and Texas leaving? That's the question that only Fox can answer. Uh, And is it Oklahoma playing non-conference games with the Big 12 in Big 12 stadiums down the road? Perhaps. Uh, but it's just a matter of, okay, what is that going to really mean uh, for Oklahoma? So it, it's hard to say, man. I, I don't know. Again, it's it takes two or in this case three to tango. And if one party's not willing to, it's it's going to make for a really hard uh, hard final sell all the way around. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, turning our attention to basketball, Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners coming off of a big win over the note, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number two team in the nation on Saturday fell flat against Oklahoma state in the second leg of Bedlam. Again, Oklahoma state, man, just a bad matchup for the Sooners. Uh, they get out to a big early lead in this game in the first half and Oklahoma can never recover. They have a poor shooting night in front of a really, really nice crowd. Now I'm sure some of that was Oklahoma State fans either traveling down from Stillwater or in the you know the Oklahoma City more Norman metro area you know coming to the game, but again a great crowd and Oklahoma shooting just was not consistent. They were poor from three point again. Uh, this time they were f- five of twenty two um, after having a really efficient night shooting the ball or day shooting the ball against Alabama. Just couldn't hit a bucket tonight, and Oklahoma State was getting everything to drop. Yeah, Oklahoma State just whooped them inside. I mean, it's really the game boils down to that, that Oklahoma had no answer for 
Caleb Boone, and they had no answer for Cisse, who, oh, by the way, didn't didn't play uh, in round one. So that that tandem, John, combined to shoot 80%. They each knocked down eight of 10 field goals. I think Boone uh, was perfect on his first eight attempts from the floor, and uh, th- they each had 36 points uh, combined, so 18 apiece. Just uh, no answer for those two. That was really, you know, for Oklahoma defensively, the story of the game. And then, uh, like you said, just, you know, look, they were never going to shoot the way that they shot uh, collectively versus Alabama probably ever again this season. But 34.8% from the floor ain't going to cut it, and 22.7% from three-point isn't going to cut it either. So, man, you know, this is why I said the other day, coming out of the Alabama game, you saw so many people out there saying biggest OU win since the Oregon game in the elite eight to go to the final four. And you know what, given that you hadn't beat a top two AP opponent dating all the way back to Kansas uh, in 2002, number one, Kansas, then it's like, okay, yeah, no, I, I understand that. It's, it's one of the biggest wins in recent memory, but it only remains one of the biggest wins in recent memory. If you use that to springboard yourself into the NCAA tournament and if you turn around and win Bedlam, right, take care of business against an opponent that it was a winnable game for Oklahoma, uh, same with West Virginia, right, these two games this week, and obviously Oklahoma falls flat on its face. They get swept tonight in Bedlam. So it was, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and use the term catastrophic, but probably one too far away from that. I mean, it was a bad loss. It really was. You know, they they shot 21 more free throws than the Cowboys did. You know, they're 24 of 33, but they just couldn't buy a bucket. They were 34.8% from the field, 22.7% from three. Um, Oklahoma State was much, much better. I mean, they weren't much better from three, but they were much better from inside. And yeah, and that's really what it comes down to is Oklahoma just couldn't hit enough shots. And that's something that Porter Moser is going to have to figure out because this is a team that doesn't seem like it's got enough guys that can create on their own, um, get to the bucket consistently and hit shots consistently. And when they don't have the size that an Oklahoma state has, you can't just like lob it down into the paint and let a guy go to work. Uh, even one of your more efficient players that has some good post game, Jalen Hill, he had a really bad night Oh, for six after having a, a great night or great day against Alabama that it has been probably your most efficient shooter, your most efficient player um, over the last few weeks. So just all around, not a great night. Um, hopefully they can turn it around before they do face off against West Virginia. Cause they're the opportunities are running thin for the Oklahoma Sooners to make their case for an NCAA tournament bid, Josh. Yeah. And again, just in closing on this game, you know, if you're not looking at or haven't looked at the final stats, uh, maybe, either earmuffs or just don't look at them, but they got Oklahoma got creamed on the glass in this game, 42 to 32 on uh, the rebounding total in general, 14 to six in terms of offensive rebounds in this game. So when I say that Boone and Cisse were the difference for Oklahoma state, John Boone and Cisse were the difference. And then just in general, Oklahoma state's rebounding the, what they did on the glass and in the interior in the paint. I mean, that was this game in a, in a nutshell. Oklahoma just got they, – they got beat soundly in those those regards. And I want to hear Musa Cisse pronounce his name because I wonder if it's not pronounced a little bit differently and we just don't know it yet. But that's just based on my background and 
people I've known and because I've seen that name before, but it's pronounced Issei. But that's just me. Anyway, that, I'm not I'm not trying to correct you. I heard them say it all all evening on the broadcast too. I'm just curious what he or his family how they would pronounce it. Um, anyway, that's just me. Sorry, that's an aside. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Culture. No, Locked On Sooners. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Uh, make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Locked On. Sorry, at Josh on Ref. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And uh, go interact with us over there. Make sure you're interacting with us on YouTube and around for the live show next Monday night as well. But until next time, he's Josh Homer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer sooner.